Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. Today, let's, let's go to the book of Lamentations. That's a book we don't look at very much. Go to the book of Lamentations. If you'll go to Jeremiah and take a right. Did you get that? Now, I'm going to try. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to try. I'm not a try. I'm a doer. I'm going to do it. I've, I've got two subjects, but we're going to weave them together. Lamentations chapter 3. And I'm going to believe God, believe God out of this message. We're going to see a move of the Spirit at the end of this service. It's going to help you. Everybody say, help me. Now, first thing we're going to begin to look at and discuss is the goodness of God and the willingness of God to, 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 to bless your life. Now, you must understand something about God. God is not against you. God is for you. Now, let me say that again. God is not against you. God is for you. Everybody say that. Say, God is for me. Say, God is for me. Now say it from your heart. Say, God is for me. He's not against me. Now, in life, problems, circumstances, situations, trial and trouble come. Now, there's many avenues or venues in which they can come. There, there is uh, the world system. Now, the world system, uh, you know, literally uh, 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 gives us all kinds of temptations. That's where addictions come from, negative lifestyle comes from, all kinds of, you know, you, you, you see people that just are bound in these lifestyles and can't seem to get free. Listen, that is a product of the world system. This world system. I mean, one of the most amazing phenomena is we've got a nation that has such strong laws against drugs and drug addiction, but we have the most addicted nation in the world. Now, did you hear what I just said? We have a, we have a, a nation that has the strongest laws in the world when it comes to drug smuggling, uh, drug possession, uh, drug dealing, and all that, but we have the most addicted nation in the world. I mean, that's kind of like a, what do you call that, a misnomer or whatever that is? Kind of like jumbo shrimp, you know. An oxymoron, there you go. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so we've got the world system, and the world system is corrupt and getting more corrupt every day. You say, well, I have hope. I have hope, Pastor, uh, that, that, you know, we're all going to end up, you know, singing K Sarah, Sarah, and everything's going to be fine. We're going to be holding hands one day, singing Kumbaya, everybody drinking a Coke. <laughs> Dream on. It ain't going to happen. Secondly, we have the flesh and the soul of man. The flesh and the soul of man is conducive to the, the, the depravity of the world system. All you got to do is yield a little, bit, a little bit to your flesh and a little bit to your soul and you'll find yourself in trouble. Amen? Thirdly, there's an adversary loose upon the earth that hates humanity. Not just Christianity, he hates humanity and he hates you. Very much he hates you. He's called the devil. He has demon powers. He does not like you. His ministry is to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Then we could get in all kinds of things that are ethnic, that are negative. We can get in things that uh, like poverty. We can get in geographical locations that, that have curses and things like that on them. There's all kinds of things where we can see all of this stuff interacting to bring great misery upon this world. Does anybody agree with that? Now, in the midst of that, you have God. Everybody say God. God. Now, if God were a party to the misery in the world, we wouldn't have a chance. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's people that get out there. Well, God's doing this to me or God's allowing this to happen to me or God's this or God that. That is not true. And we're going to look in the Word of God and see in the Word of God where God is not your problem. God is your answer. And unless you turn to God in, in, in the fullness of your heart and your desires and make a decision, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to live for God, then all these other things we just spoke about are going to come into a conspiracy against you to destroy your life. And it'll happen. And the problem is, is the time that it takes for that to happen now has been greatly, greatly reduced. People are being destroyed quicker and quicker and quicker than they ever have. One of our police officers was telling me a story of a man that he knew here on the island, a, a businessman that was very well known, very well uh, uh, respected here on the island. People loved him. He had a wonderful business, had a wonderful family. I think he was married with two children. And he, and he played around a little bit with cocaine. He just, you know, not, not, not some big bad, but you know, on a, on a Friday night at a party or a gathering, he'd do a little bit. And just, but all of a sudden he got introduced to crack. And this police officer told me this. He said, I watched this man in six weeks lose his business, lose his, lose his prestige, lose his dignity, lose his family, and lose everything in his life. Ended up being arrested for a particular crime and is in the penitentiary today. Six weeks was all it took. Six weeks at all. Is a, listen, the, these things, you can't play with these things. Life is a serious event. But the thing about it is, God has made great provision for us, but you have to be convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is not your problem. He is your answer. Lamentations, let's look at, I'm going to look at, we're going to look at three scriptures real quick. Lamentations, uh, they're in chapter, let me find here, chapter 3, verse 22 says, The Lord, if it's, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Everybody say, His compassions fail not. Now listen, His compassion is His ability to be moved toward helping you. Amen. People say, well, God doesn't care. I mean, He doesn't care about me. Yes, He does. He greatly cares about you. The proof of His caring about you is what He's done for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. It says, uh, uh, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now go down to verse 30. 33. 33, it says this. It says, for he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. I like one translation. I looked at several translations. I like this one. He does not willingly afflict, punish, grieve, or cause sorrow among the children of men. Now that's the Bible. Did you get that? Now listen to it again. He does not willingly afflict, punish, grieve, or cause sorrow among men or among the family of man or among mankind. God is your answer, not your problem. Now, with that in mind, if you will, flip back to the book of James. Go to Hebrews and take a right. James is right after the book of the Hebrews in the, in the, in the, in the latter portion or latter part of your Bible. Now, notice what this says. Verse 1, excuse me, chapter 1. There in verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Now listen to this. Neither tempt thee any man. 
So what is God saying? God says, number one, he cannot be tempted with evil. E anything that is evil, well, is anything that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Poverty, addictions, uh, diseases, whatever it may be, God does not put that into your life. The reason he does not put that into your life is he does not have it. Now let me say that again. God cannot give you what he does not have and he is not a thief so he's not going to go steal it from the devil and give it to you. If you're depressed, God didn't give it to you. If you're fighting cancer, God didn't give it to you. If you're having problems with your finances, God did not do that. You must understand God does not tempt with evil because he cannot be tempted with evil. And if you study that out in the Greek, that's exactly what it says. God has no capacity to have evil in him whatsoever. So therefore, how can he put it upon you? 1 Thessalonians. Now take a left. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You need to see these scriptures in the Word. Now this is one simple scripture here. Verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I like this. Listen to this in the Amplified. God has not appointed us to incur His wrath, he did not select us to condemn us, but that we might obtain His salvation through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Let me read that again. For God, not ha has not appoint For God has not appointed us to incur His wrath. He did not select us to condemn us, but that we might obtain His salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now you say, what point are you trying to make? Well, a lot of people, many times, they really begin to serve God. And when they really begin to serve God out of their will, their willpower, they begin to submit themselves to the things of God. They begin to find themselves in situations of discomfort. And in those situations of discomfort, many times there's frustration. Let me give you some examples from my own life. Uh, uh, coming back to the Lord 30-something years ago, uh, going to a wonderful Bible school and church. A wonderful Bible school and church. I mean, just touching the world for Jesus, 5,000 members, great things going on, tremendous anointings, all of that t type of, of, uh, uh, of activity happening in my life, which was a great joy to me. Because I was constantly even either, either up there in school, in a class, in a service, or I was out ministering. What a, what, what a wonderful time I was having. Then after graduation, I remember the first revival I preached. This would have been the summer of 1985. I went up to, to Grosbeck, Texas, pastors Randy and Linda Ayers, and held them a revival meeting Sunday through Wednesday night. Had a great time. We've been ministering to, I think we'll be there with them this month. We've been ministering in that church ever since, 34 years. Amen? Something must have happened. Now, during that time, I preached in a small prayer meeting service in Angleton, Texas, and met a pastor who asked me to come preach in his church. His church at the time had 30 people and met in a funeral home. Now, I, you know, when the Lord spoke that to me in prayer, you know when God speaks to you. You don't have to question it. You know. But when the Lord spoke that to me in prayer, I immediately rose up a resistance and an argument. Amen. Because I knew if I left that big, wonderful church and went to this little bitty church, 
with 30 people, I was going to be in a place of great discomfort. The music wasn't the same. The preaching wasn't the same. The vision was There's nothing about it was the same. Amen? And as I begin to, you know, to, to plead my case, mount my resistance, do what I needed to do to think to get, you know, God to change his mind, I begin to realize, now this took place over a period of years, I begin to realize that God takes us and puts us in particular places at particular times according to our willingness to submit our will to Him in order to make us and mold us and work on our character in such a way so that out of us can come a vessel in which God can use in the earth today. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to start thinking, God's trying to do something to me to mess me up. Because I can look back at a time in which I was really happy and really having a good time and our prayer and our faith many times is aimed trying to get us back to that time when God's never going to take you back to that time. He's going to take you somewhere else in His will. And people don't like that. And people get all sour and they get all frustrated and they get all depressed. In reality, you have one great source and force in life that if you will yield to, will get you through the great act of character development in your life and into the place that God wants you to be. That great force is called joy. <laughs> Amen. Some people are going, oh boy. Now notice I did not say happiness. Because happiness is, is dependent upon circumstance. And there can be circumstances in your life that can make you very happy. But joy is a different force that if you do not understand the force of joy and lean into that force and allow that force to be a part of your life, then you literally will be miserable. Amen? Now let me just say this. And don't get offended, don't get mad, but you have to understand where I'm coming from. Being a pastor of a church and being in ministry affords you opportunity to be one of the most miserable people on the planet. <laughs> Amen? Think about your problem. Think about your problem right now. Now look to the person to the right and think about their problem. And look to the person to the left and think about their problem. And look at the person in front of you and think about their problem. And look at the person behind you and think about their problem. And take all the problems of the church... And guess who gets to look at them all the time, 24-7? I do. Lee and I do. So yesterday I was praying. I came up for prayer here. I was in the, my office earlier and I was praying. I knew I was going this direction. I was preparing some things. And then last night we got home and, uh, I don't know, we did something. And I told Lee, I said, I'm gonna go, I need to go back to the prayer room. So I went back to the prayer room and prayed. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, what is the predominant emotion, what is the predominant emotion in your house? That's what the Lord asked me that question. He said, you and Leah and Breland, what is the predominant emotion in this house? What is it, sweetie? It's laughter. We laugh so much, our parrot laughs. Just like she does, I do, and Breland does. We have so much joy. We have so much laughter, you would think we were on something. I mean, we'll sit down at the table to eat, 
And sometimes it's just one word. And Braylon will start talking. You know, she'll have something on school. And then somebody will make a statement. And we'll just start laughing and laughing and laughing. And the bird will start laughing. And the dog will start barking and, and going, oh. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And, and, and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh. And it's been like that for years. Because I recognized years ago that if you can't go through this thing with joy, you will not go through it. Somewhere along the way, you're going to get stuck depressed. You're going to get stuck frustrated. You're going to get stuck upset, offended, mad, weirded out some way. Unless you make a decision, there's something greater on the inside than there is on the outside. And instead of me yielding and becoming an actor of everything that's on the outside, I'm going to become an actor of what's on the inside. Until you make that decision, you'll never walk in true joy. Ha, ha, ha. Now go to, go to Romans. Let's just, just a couple of scriptures. I still got 20 minutes. I know we went to 2 o'clock last week, but this is this week. <laughs> Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, for years I've always preached this message, taking those three different subjects, righteousness, which is our right standing with God, peace, which should be the overwhelming condition of your soul. That's, that's, the, that's the exact word. If you go in the Greek, it's going to refer you back to the Hebrew. That is the word shalom, meaning peace. That means complete supply. There's a, there's a, a great meaning of that word. And then there's the word joy in the Holy Ghost. So I've always taken those three words and used these three points. Righteousness is a revelation. You must have a, a revelation of righteousness coming from the Word of God that you are right with God. Not because of all your good behavior. Not because you're a missionary somewhere. Not because you, you, know, you take care of stray cats. You have righteousness with God through Jesus Christ. You have right standing. Therefore you can pray. You can worship without any sense of guilt. Without any sense of condemnation. You are, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the righteousness of God in Christ. It must be a revelation in you. Amen? Secondly, peace. Peace is a demonstration of that righteousness. How you must have that, the, the, the peace in life. Because everyone around you, all of your neighbors, all of your loved ones, everyone around you that does not go know God, they go through the same thing you go through. And they're watching to see how you go through it. And if you go through it the same way they go through it, with depression, with frustration, with all, then they think, well, they're no different from us. Why do I want their God? That's just a distraction and a hassle to them. I've got Jack Daniels. <laughs> Come on, church. I mean, let's be honest. So if we go through things the same way the world goes through them, they would rather turn to the Jack Daniels, to the weed, to the coke, or whatever they can get their hands on to give them any kind of relief because they do not have peace. If you have peace because of righteousness, it will manifest in your life. That means you will go through things differently than people go through it in the world, and that is one of the number one ways we preach the gospel. Not by what we say, but what we do. 
And then there's joy in the Holy Ghost, which I use this point. Joy in the Holy Ghost should be God's presentation of us to the world. The world should see us as people full of joy, not really depending upon circumstances to create a happy mood or anything like that, but actually having a joy on the inside of us that the world sees, recognizes, and desires. Amen? So y'all got that message, all right? So we're going to go in a different direction. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. Everybody say joy. Joy Joy is an emotion evoked by well-being or success. Now that's in its noun form. Because joy is not, it's one of those words that can be both a noun and a a verb. You You can have joy or you can joy. Amen. You can have joy or you can joy. See what I'm saying? In its verb form, now listen to its verb form, to joy or to joy, the expression of the noun through dancing, singing, laughing, or cheerfulness. Now, laughing, singing, dancing, and cheerfulness shows up in the world and the world system through effort. You say, what do you mean? Well, you've got to have reason to dance. You've got to have a reason to laugh. It's got to tickle your funny bone, make you laugh. Amen? Uh, whatever it is, rejoicing. We're, we're starting football season and you can watch the teams as they play and as the winning team rejoices and the losing team is depressed. I mean, there's got to be an event-motivated issue that causes you to joy. Are you with me? But in the kingdom of God, you don't have to have a feeling to dance. You don't have to have a feeling to sing. You don't have to have a feeling to, result, to rejoice, what you have to have is faith. See, what have we been teaching on? We've been teaching on faith, but a lot of people don't have faith for joy. And faith for healing, faith for prosperity, faith for, uh, you know, faith for a, a deliverance. But, 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 you know, you go around and, and you look like you're, you're pickled. And the Bible says we're preserved. Preserves are sweet. Amen. Now, we're not going to go there, but over in Nehemiah, Nehemiah, God, God raised him up to rebuild the, the ashes of Jerusalem. It's a great teaching. I'm going to teach on Nehemiah a little bit as we enter into construction phase of our building because there's some things in Nehemiah we need to know as we're building. That's a great chapter that God put in the Bible for churches that are building in the midst of building. There are many things the devil tries to do. Well, in the midst of that, as they got the walls up, as they begin to proceed toward the temple, somebody found the Word of God. And they begin to weed the Word of God. And as they read the Word of God, everybody began to weep. And they begin to cry. And they begin to, oh my God, no wonder we're in such a mess. We've not been adhering to the Word of God. And, and literally, Nehemiah, who was the governor of that region, came in and began to tell them, listen, I, okay, we've repented, we've done what we're supposed to do, we're obeying God, but you need to have a mindset change. You need to have an attitude change because what you really need is not the tears of repentance. You've already gone through that. What you need is joy because the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. So if the joy of the Lord is your strength and God is working on your character and you're living in a place of discomfort right now so that God can chisel on you and work on you and make you into the vessel of righteousness that He wants you to be, you better start getting some heaping doses of joy into your life or you're going to get miserable, you're going to get frustrated and everybody's going to look at you and go, Oh my God, what's wrong with them? So three areas. The first one we've already covered. 
This, if this doesn't give you joy, I don't know what to do. God's on your side. I said, God's on you. I don't care who's not on your side. I don't care who hadn't given you favor. The Bible says of God in Isaiah, He has imprinted you on the palm of His hand. One translation said, God has a tattoo in the palm of His hand and it's my name. Amen. I'm not big on tattoos, but I'm so, so glad God has one. And as far as I'm concerned, it says Rusty Martin right there. You know what that does? That gives me joy. I said, that gives me joy. That gives me a reason to dance. That gives me a reason to sing. That gives me a reason to laugh. You say, why? Because God's on my side. And you get enough people coming against you that you find out are not on your side and not doing the will of God and being rebellious and doing this or doing that, you better have some joy to get through that. At your job, in your business, if you're a student, you'll find out not everybody's for you. If that's not a revelation to you right now, it will be one day. You will figure out, hey, you know, I don't think this person is for me. I don't think these people are for me. They're not. They're in this world system. They're under the sway of the adversary. They have all kinds of issues in your life. They are selfish and could care less about you. But when I found out that God is on my side, He stands with me. He stands behind me. He stands up in me. He works for me. He works in me. He works through me. He's surrounds me with loving kindness. His mercies are new every morning. When I begin to realize that and meditate on that and think on that and it becomes the reality of my life. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. Joy comes. I said joy comes. Secondly, now look at, listen to this one. We are God's investment in the earth. Now think about this. We, you say, what do you mean by we? God's people, born again, blood washed, spirit filled, people that desire for the will of God, move of God, revival of God, refreshing of God, restoration of God. We are God's investment in the earth. Which gives us, now listen to this, value, purpose, and destiny. Now those three things right there, the world gives some people but not everybody. Amen? I mean, there's millions of people in this nation that are not valued. Come on, church. Most of, all, most of us fit into that category at one time or another. You're not valued, you're tolerated. Amen? It's always amazing around election time how politicians talk to people. I mean, I'm not putting your party down or my party down or any other party down. I'm just saying, generally, across the board, politicians, when they want your vote, they will value you. They will this. They will that. They'll promise you the moon. They'll promise you the moon on a golden platter. They'll tell you how important you are, your race, your creed, your color, your location, everything about you. But as soon as that election takes place, you never hear from them again, showing you that their value of you was false and not true. But Jesus said this, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Listen, somebody that values you will stick with you. (laughs) I said somebody that values you will stick with you. 
They will stick with you over, through the thin, through the thick, through the good, the bad, the ugly, through everything you go through, through frustration, through depression, through whatever it is you have to fight the devil off, through whatever you have to do to get the Word of God in you, get the anointing on you. God will stick with you and stick with you and stick with you closer than anybody else in your life. Closer than your wife, your husband, your best friend. Listen, He is God, He loves you, and He values you. And anything of value has purpose. There's no purpose for you in this world as a Christian. They don't want you. They don't want your God. They don't want your Holy Ghost. They don't want your faith. They want, they want what they have. Amen. Self, everything revolving around self. Everything revolving around idealism and not revelation. Listen, the world is happy with the indoctrination of religion and uncomfortable with the person of a Savior. Now let me say that again. They're happy with the indoctrination of religion and uncomfortable with the person of a Savior. You say, what do you mean by that? Because if there is a Savior, that means there is a need for a Savior, which means we're all sinners. Until we what? Find the Savior. And the Savior gives us what He's taken to save us with, salvation. And once you become saved, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're no longer a poor old sinner. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And you have value. And because of that value... You have a purpose. And your purpose is not just to live your life out till death runs its course. That is not your purpose. Your job is not your purpose. Your marriage is not your purpose. Your children are not your purpose. If you make them your purpose, you will miss what God has for you. You say, why? Because with everything that God gives us, our jobs, our children, our families, our marriages, there must be built into it the element of sacrifice that helps the purpose of God work in us and through us. That means you cannot value anything you have more than you value God. You say, why? Because that's how He values you. Nothing is more important. I remember what, well, who was it? Bishop Nate Holcomb said this. He says, if I lost everything I had, lost my church, lost my money, lost my family, lost my children. I think he had grandchildren at that. Lost my grand, lost it all, but still had Jesus. I still have more than enough to start over with. Amen. Now, you're valued. Your value gives you purpose. Your purpose gives you destiny. You say, what is destiny? It comes from the root word of destination. That means there's a path you're put on to get to a particular place. And on that path and in that particular place, that's where the covenant of God manifests to its greatest ability in your life. Healing power, prosperity, the glory of God, the blessing of God. And though you're not, though you're not uh, accepted by the world and the world system, and it goes against the grain of your path, you're kind of like a, uh, what is it, the salmon that swims up the stream. Any dead salmon can float down the stream. It takes a live one to swim up it. And why do they swim up it? They swim up it for the purpose of reproduction. You say, what do you mean? You are valued by God. You have a purpose. That is to what? To show forth the character of Christ in this earth in your life. And thirdly, what? You are called to a destiny of reproduction in the earth. That means God wants to use you to touch someone else. That ought to give you joy. I said that ought to give you joy. Now here's the third one. Here's the last one. Oh man, this is, I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost is so smart. 
I don't get this stuff out of, out of any other book than the book. And when he showed me this, it just blew me away. This is the reason why so many people have no joy. It's because you're not sharing your faith. You don't share your faith. You have faith. You keep your faith. You use your faith for prayer. You use your faith to get your stuff. But the greatest joy in the earth is to take Jesus and to give him to someone else. Amen? Uh, for, for literally the last 15 to 20 years, churches have not been involved in evangelism. There hasn't been masses of people getting saved. What there's been is, is, is the moving around of disgruntled people from church to church. And finally, if you can find a church that's comfortable enough, you can gather a big crowd because there's no demand put up on their character. And instead of the phrase, do you know Jesus? We've replaced it with the phrase, would you like to come to my church? Well, you can come to my church all day long, but if you don't know Jesus, it ain't going to mount a hill of beans. And God is always wanting and looking to use each and every one of us in, present, in presenting Jesus to people. And there's no greater joy than you can ever be involved in in your life than after you have left an encounter in which you've left a deposit of Christ in someone else's life. Oh, you, you missed a good opportunity. You say, what do you mean? There's no greater joy than after you've left an encounter with people, someone that's hurting, someone that needs God, in which you've left a deposit of Christ in their life. You say, what is that deposit? It gives them hope that the addiction can be broken. It gives them hope that the devil can get out of their life. Gives them, sure, there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church. We want people to come to church, but we want everybody that comes to church to take what they get in the church and take it out and give it to people. That's where the joy of serving God comes. Well, I'm timid. Well, I'm shy. I'm this. There's a thousand excuses that you can use 1,500 times a day. But none of them is valid in the eyes of God when God Himself came down from heaven. Now listen to me. Came down from heaven, reduced Himself to human form, was obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. Amen. And the Bible said he did it all for the joy that was set before him. No, you're not getting that. He did it for what? For the joy. The joy. That means he went to the cross singing. He went to the cross dancing. He went to the cross shouting, knowing that this is going to work. And one day the seed that I am in the earth is going to reproduce over and over and over and over. And there'll be generations of people that will not go to hell because of the joy that was set before me. Was there suffering in it? Honey, there was suffering. Was it a price to be paid? There was a price to be paid. But what happened? He rose from the dead. I said he rose. Nobody ever rose. There had been people raised from the dead, but they died again. But he rose from the dead never to die again. He made the way in which there is no way. Come on, church. You say, what do you mean? Just these simple realities should be enough on the inside of you to set you to dancing, to set you to singing, to set you to laughing. <laughs> Amen? And a lot of people, you know, here's, here's the deal. Let me close this for a minute and I'll set it down. I don't want to knock it over. 
You're the actor on one of two stages. You're an actor on one of two stages. You're either actor on the stage of your issues, your problems, your circumstances, your situations. Or you're an actor on the stage of the word that's real in your heart. You say, what do you mean by Everything in life is saying this. Action! You know the old directors with the, you know, have the, have the berets on and the, and the big horns, you know, back in the day. And the, action! You know? So, your situation, you know, the pain in your body and the, and, the, and the treatment you've had to take and the, and the, and the, and the prescriptions that line your, 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 uh, your, your medicine cabinet, uh, uh, the way your body feels, says to you, action! And you begin to perform. How you doing? I ain't doing too good, I tell you, man. I'd have to die to get better. I'm telling you, I'm just not... I'm just not doing very good. But then you start getting around people like us that talk about God, talk about His goodness, talk about His blessing, talk about His compassion, talk about His mercy, talk about His favor, talk about faith, talk about miracles, talk about deliverance, talk about healing. And that stands on the inside with another director called the Holy Ghost and he's standing there going, action. So you make the decision on what stage you want to play on. Because that's what your life will be. As long as you stand on the stage of hurt and pain and offense and unbelief and frustration and depression, then you will be the actor on that stage and you will act your life out like that. Doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. It means you'll just live in hell before you get there. Amen? And you know, I, I just... I, uh, you know, Ted and Ella, that we, we always talk, mention them when we talk about the wards, Mom and Papa Ward. I'm going to tell you something. Mom and Papa Ward were around a lot of big preachers. Well, Mom and Papa Ward, they didn't have a private jet. They had a little old house, just very modest, am I right? They didn't have huge bank accounts with lots of money. But I never saw people that would get drunk and laugh and roll and have such a good time. And honey, it's not that they had never fought anything. Look, they fought devils all over this world. They fought things you couldn't even imagine. They raised up churches. They went on missions trips. They were ministers. He raised up 143 full gospel businessmen chapters all over the United States. They went through all kinds of hell physically, financially, all kinds of issues in their life. And still, at the end of their life, I'll never forget the joy that was in those two people. That was the most contagious. People, they, they had a little prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Ted and Ella, that's where I met Ted and Ella. We'd go there and, and the place would be packed. You couldn't get any more people in there. You say why? Because the joy just radiated from them. I mean, Mama Ward, she'd just get to talking. Like that. Ted can imitate her better than anybody else. And she'd just get so excited. And Papa Ward, he'd get up and get that holy laughter. <laughs> His belly had a big old fat man. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you. And they had all kinds of problems in their life. And they were so full of joy, they could care less about the world, the flesh, and the devil. They had lived long enough to let the realities of what was on the inside be the director of the stage of their life and that's how they were acting it out. Till the end of their lives. I said till the end of their lives. So you have to have a change. You say why? Because all of us live out there. It looks dark out there right now. My God. <laughs> Maybe we ought to just stay in church all day. I mean that's kind of spooky. Amen. But I'm telling you, that's, that's, that right there is a demonstration of what the spirit realm looks like right there. It is dark. 
And there are darkness and there are demons and devils and all kinds of stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. God has put something on the inside of you. And listen, listen. You're the only one that represses it. You're the only one that pushes it down. You're the only one that makes a decision. Well, you know, I tell you, if, he, if that preacher just really knew what I was going through, I'm telling you, he wouldn't be talking like that because I tell you, I'm really going through some tough stuff. Well, I can tell it's written all over your face. <laughs> Amen. But the good news is, you don't have to live like that. And we don't have, listen, we don't have to have Jack Daniels. We don't have to have weed. I remember when, who was it that was running for, running for, Bill Clinton was running for president. And somebody accused him of smoking marijuana. So his, his response to them was, yeah, you know, Cambridge, Cambridge University over in England. Yeah, you know, I was with some guys, but I did not inhale. Y'all remember that? Yeah, I smoked some weed, but I did not inhale. Well, I, I did too, and I inhaled. And there's a big difference in inhaling and not inhaling. Hey, Amen. I mean, I saw Mickey Mouse, you know, I mean, <laughs> in living color. <laughs> and that's the problem with a lot of people. They come to church and they don't inhale. They come in church and sit in church the whole time like this. <gasps> Amen? Well, you're not going to ever get under the influence of anything until you inhale. Amen? You got to take a great big old hit off the Word of God, off the power of the Holy Ghost. You've got to pull it down into your inner being. You've got to let it roll around in there. You've got, to become, you've got to let it become the what? The joy of the Lord is our what? You've got to let it be stronger. It's your strength. Stronger than cancer. Stronger than depression. Stronger than addiction. Stronger than anything the devil can put into your life. You've got to let the joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord become the strength of your life. Leah gets drunk real easy. All I got to do is start preaching on joy. And most of you should be so conditioned to it that any inkling or any blink, wink, or flash, did you get that? Of a service headed toward joy, we have to constrain you because you're the first one going to jump into the joy pool. Amen? Because you know that through laughing and dancing and singing and shouting, there comes a release in the Spirit. And many times, especially, now listen to me, this is what I wanted to get to today. Especially when you're going through hell on earth, it doesn't take nothing to laugh once the walls have fallen. It doesn't take nothing to dance when the doctor holds up your x-ray and says the tumor's gone. It doesn't take nothing to shout when the big check comes in the mail. It's when the pain's in your body. It's when, the, it's when the check hadn't come in the mail yet. It's when the tumor's still on the x-ray. That 
is when joy will work in your life to affect that to which your faith dictates and righteousness is already secured for you. That's where you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to suppress my joy another moment. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to make a decision to let what's on the inside of me come out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord! 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 Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Lord God! Thank you, Lord God. The Bible says with joy we draw from the wells of salvation. With joy we draw from the wells of salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 <laughs> That's... <laughs> Some of y'all need a little joy session. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Now, let me help some of you. I, I've, I never taught, I, I, said, I, I, I alluded to this Wednesday night. I didn't mean to. I don't know why I did, but I did anyway. But for many years of my life, come on around, Doris. For many years of my life, part of my ministry, the ministry that God has called me to, I've been an intercessor. I pray. And I hide most of that. Well, Wednesday, I didn't hide it. I, just the anointing came on me for intercession. And I ended up somewhere, I don't on the floor, somewhere over there. And, and you can always tell when what you're interceding about. I told Leah this morning, and I'll throw this out so you can pray. I said, I have the same twist in my gut that I had right before 9-11. I don't know what it is, so that we're praying about that. So we need to pray about these things. But you always know when you break through with intercession, through intercession, because you'll begin to laugh. And that's a laugh in the spirit. It's not a laugh. You can't laugh like that in the natural. And as I was laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing, my mind, this thought came in my mind that, you know, all these people are watching you and people are coming in and I'm like, oh my God, you know. And so, but at the end of it, it was, it was hard for me to even preach that night or teach that night. The Lord had given me a message and I kind of stood there. I wasn't, didn't walk back. And everything, it was like I was not seen in the natural realm. I couldn't see. I just kept trying to blink my eyes, kept trying to see. I couldn't see. I couldn't focus back on what was natural. Because in the realm of the Spirit, that's what everything is all about. It's all joy. It's all rejoicing. It's all... It's, you say, what do you mean? Well, when we talk about the realm of the Spirit, we're talking about the atmosphere of heaven, what's in heaven itself. And in heaven right now, there's no addiction. There's no oppression. There's no uh, bad doctor's reports. There's no, no deficit of... And see, the Bible said, Jesus said, pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
So what we do many times is we allow the situations of our life to suppress the true life that's on the inside of us. And when we can get the life on the inside of us just to explode. I, I, I went this direction in a, in a minister's meeting over at Pastor Paul's church where there was, you know, 5,000 people. And Paul was looking at me like, you ain't going to do it, are you? And I'm like, I'm going to do it, you know. <laughs> And before, before it was over, I had all them Chinamen, Filipinos, people from Nepal. They were running, dancing, shouting, glorifying, magnifying God. And many of them had severe issues and problems and situations they were facing in ministry. But they found a place of refreshing, a place of deliverance, a place in which the joy of God began to bubble up out of them. And they began to partake of that. And they began to allow that to permeate them instead of the situation or problem. That's what joy does. We were, we were at Freedom Crusade two years ago. And Pastor Sam, sometimes he can preach hard. You know, he's got that prophet bent to him. He can, and he preached on joy. And he can, yeah, joy, joy. Yeah, he does his hand, joy, and joy, you know. And I'm telling you, we were all sitting there like this. So he gets up and gives an altar call like this. Looks across, about a thousand people look across this. The sorriest bunch of joy I ever saw in my life. <laughs> and one little lady over in the corner did this. I got joy. Ah! <laughs> and Pastor Sam went. <laughs> and the Spirit of God just moved across that place. Well, sometimes God just looking for one person to say, I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. Well, if you got joy, then you're going to show it to us because you're going to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. You're going to dance. Not to the music, but unto the Lord. You're going to shout. You're going to magnify God. Now, listen, people always get a little uncomfortable because they think, well, you're just trying to get people to do something. You're exactly right. Because this whole world is trying to get you to do something. The news reports, the doctor's reports, your job you got to go to on Monday, a hurricane is coming. I mean, everything is trying to get you to do it. Oh my God, you know. So why can't we take a little time and try to get people that to live out there in that darkness to yield to the light on the inside of them and get some relief, get some refreshing, get some joy bubbling up because once you experience, you'll never settle for anything less. There won't be a drug, there won't be a drink, there won't be a relationship, there won't be nothing in life Amen. more valuable. And you will fight to keep your joy. Amen. And there are people in here right now, you've lost it. You've lost your joy. It's gone on vacation. You're like, where'd my joy go? You've lost your dance, you've lost your song, you've lost your... You can't live like that. You can't live like that. When I lived for the devil, I went to the, to, the, to the depths of addictions. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Those drugs the devil has out there are so powerful. They can grab your life and control it till it puts you in the grave. Well, you think that's more powerful than God? That's not more powerful than God. I'm proof of that. So you've got to make a decision at one point in your life that there's something in me. I'm born again. The life of God is in me. And you cannot let intimidation, you cannot let what's going on in your life 
Those three points that we mentioned, sharing the gospel, realizing that you're valuable, have a purpose, have a destiny, and understanding that God is on your side. If you would really think on that and meditate upon that, it would change your life. And up out of your spirit, it might just start like a chuckle. <laughs> Devil hates that. Especially if you're suffering, going through something. Because he wants you to cry. He wants you to weep. He wants you to put on sackcloth and ashes. Well, they did that under a lesser covenant. But we got a better covenant based on better promises. So one last time before we leave, lift up your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. We thank you, Father. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, we don't care what the enemy says. We don't care what the world says. We don't care what our flesh says. We don't care what the devil says. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you for it, Father. We glorify you. Now, now we're going to pick this up next week. We're going to go some different directions with joy because a lot of times people don't, you know, they don't see the need in, in laughing, getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you something. The, the, the men of my life that influenced me the most, Kenneth E. Hagan, Dr. Roberts, Brother Osteen, the, these were people that had dropped out of a hat. They were laughing, running, Shouting. Even Brother Hagen. I remember being in one of his meetings and he was, he was in his 80s. And the glory of God hit. And a guy ran by him and flew into the, into the, into the uh, choir loft. His feet were sticking up doing this, still dancing. <laughs> Brother Hagen turned around started laughing. And then he just started dancing. 80-year-old man. Just, just danced and danced and danced. I watched the wards. Listen, there is something about the joy of God that once it gets into your life is an unmistakable undepletable force that'll help carry you through some of the most difficult situations. Because when you face those situations, you can draw on that joy. And like we do at our house, we just laugh. We just laugh. God is so good. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you, Lord God, that as we leave today, we can put a demand upon you for safety, for protection, for blessing. Thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Thank you that angels have charge over us. Thank you, Lord God, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. We're blessed of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, each and every one of us, handling the resource that you've given us this week, whether it be out in the ocean, whether it be over at the medical branch, up in the refineries, in education, in retail and construction, no matter what it is. We thank you that we're protected, not subject to trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Lord, more importantly, give us that door of utterance. Let every body here know the joy of sharing their faith, of sharing Jesus. Let every person here have an encounter this week with somebody they can present Jesus to and leave a deposit in their life. We thank you for that, Father. 
Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah.